0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We're going to go and minister the word of the Lord here tonight. You said, Brother McGee, y'all have already preached a sermon during all this. That's all right. We're going to go and minister to the word. Amen. All times in scriptures, the teeing up of the moving of the Spirit. You know what usually followed it? Typically, pattern in scripture. The spirit moved, the word came. From the very beginning, the Spirit of the Lord moves upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Let the firmament separate. It's a common pattern in scripture. So, see, the easy thing for me would be just say, Let's go home this will keep, and it would, but I feel like tonight I need to preach a second sermon. (laughs) My second sermon. Turn with me to Genesis chapter number 12, and I'm going to read just one verse, but that's not all the verses I'll be reading. We'll start with one. And I told Brother Alex tonight, I said, hey, I'm going to use that over-the-ear mic tonight just because, man, I really liked being hands-free this morning. Mm -hmm. I said, and after this is all said and done, we'll see whether or not that was a mistake. Amen. Genesis 12 and verse number 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham, or Abram. This was before the name change. Appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed, let me preface, he's just made it, he and this family to Canaan. They just made they've, they've traveled all this distance, all this way. By the urging of the Spirit of God, left Ur of Chaldees. They just got here, and the Lord appears. And said, unto, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him let me make it real concise here tonight and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and there Abraham built an altar I am not going to say for a little while tonight but I'm going to say for a while I want to minister this subject there's no substitute for altars there's no substitute for altars and I hope the Holy Ghost will help me here by and by. Amen, as we get into this night. There's no Look at your neighbor and tell them that. There's no substitute. Shh. Shh. Man. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. This is not part of my sermon, but a few weeks ago, I'm part of a stream of ministers and people like that, and the question was posed, is prayer before church and such like that really relevant for today's age? Different ones start saying that, and they were kind of balancing that out with the concept of also before church having fellowship, being believing that there's equal importance of having fellowship and prayer. And I understand the mindset of that, or truly do, especially for people that come in that have no attachment to the church, first time ever here, that connection, that's important. But in and with all of that said, you cannot overcompensate either and just be all fellowship because there's no substitute for altars. Did we pray over this? I don't know if we did. We've prayed. God bless you. (laughs) God bless you. Throughout Scripture of God's Word, as you turn from page to page, and particularly among the Old Testament patriarchs, and some even that came before the flood like Noah, as we turn through Scriptures, it seems as though people... Build altars because God either prescribed that an altar should be built or that these people witnessed or sensed the presence of the Lord somewhere at a moment in time. And as a result of that appearance, as a result of that sensing of the presence of God, they built an altar. Such is the case of the first recorded built altar in Scripture that we read of in the book of Genesis where Noah comes off that ark that he had been on for hundreds of days, a long, long time. He had been in the drift just along the Bible says for 150 days after the flood. And Noah steps foot off of the ark and he views in his panoramic view of the world. It lays in waste from the destruction of a very uh, destructive flood that it came upon it and in this view of destruction of what has happened while he's been on the ark the Bible plainly says that Noah builds an altar because evidently he sensed and he knew that God's presence was in everything that had taken place up to and including that very moment that as Noah stepped on dry Ground. Noah recognized the hand of God in redemption in this moment. He understood the hand of God even in a renewal in an olive branch that was brought from a dove to the ark. He understood renewal even among the destruction. And so the Bible says he built an altar. It is the pattern that we find over and over again in Scripture among the patriarchs. As in our text tonight, Abram no sooner made it to Canaan, amen, and traveled thousands of miles to get there, that here he is building an altar unto the Lord. Why? Because he witnessed God there. He experienced God there. There And the Lord appeared unto Abram and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Notwithstanding it doesn't stay with Abram alone but his son Isaac, the Bible says likewise, builds an altar in response to the presence of the Lord. Genesis 26 recounts verse 24 and the Lord appeared unto him, meaning Isaac, the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there. And called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Isaac built an altar because he had an encounter. Witnessed the presence of the Lord in this place. Then his son, amen, Jacob, likewise, the Bible says, was commissioned to build an altar. And it simply wasn't because God just wanted one there. But it's because God had a to him there and it was a place that was marked by his presence, amen, whenever God told Jacob to build an altar at this particular region of the land, about 21 years earlier, Jacob had been in that same place and guess what, he had a God encounter he had witnessed the presence of God and the power of God and so now 21 years later God is commissioning him, he says I know you set up a stone 21 years ago as kind of a makeshift altar he said but i want you to go back there now and i want you to build it according to genesis 35 and 1 and god said unto jacob arise go up to bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother again he had appeared to him there and so the altar then was a testament of God having met a man at a location at a place at a coordinate Moses we see it in scripture Joshua the children of Israel there is war that's going on between them and the Malachites at a place called Rephidim and the Bible says that God came down in that moment while Moses and Aaron and her were, uh, her were up on the mount Aaron and Her upholding the hands of Moses and as long as his hands were in the air he, they were disconfitting the Amalekites and Joshua's out on the field and Israel's out there fighting and the Bible says in all of this scenario that God spoke to Moses and instructed him about writing the events in a book of how Aaron and her upheld his hands in the air until they overcame the Amalekites. And the Bible then says these words, amen, upon the appearance and the voice of God to Moses, and Moses built an altar there because he had had an encounter it was though the altar was like a testament and a witness that God has touched this spot God has spoken in this spot God has encountered this very place Gideon in the book of Judges the Bible says that Gideon and the Israelites are enduring seven long years of Midianite oppression and here's Gideon doing, and I spoke about him a little last weekend, maybe he's in my spirit, I don't know, amen, but he is doing what he can to get by during these oppressive years, and at length, an angel of the Lord comes and begins to speak with him, and Gideon has conversation with this angel of the Lord, and when he finally realized, at first, we gotta understand, Gideon thinks he's just talking to another individual, just someone else out there, but then the epiphany, the moment takes place, he realizes that, That he's been talking to an angel of the Lord which is usually typical of being God himself. And the Bible says when he realized that he built an altar there. Unto the Lord, because God spoke to him. He had conversation. He had an encounter of God. And so since that is the pattern and that is the picture from Noah throughout the patriarchs and even beyond, we understand tonight then by God's word, altars then, historically then, have become indicators of where God has been or where God presently is. They are the demarcations of his presence. They are the emblems of his desires to connect with mankind. They are the trademarks of his whereabouts. If a person's seen an altar, you know what they knew? God's been there. If they've seen an altar, do you know what they knew? He's either been there or he spoke there or there's been a visitation there or he prescribed one to be there. If somebody witnessed an altar, someone say amen. And if the association of altars is that, then I propose to you tonight that there is a different type of association. And just walk with me here for a little bit. There's a different type of association with cities early on in the scripture. I know all times we go back, you know... Brother McGee, you got to go back to Genesis and you got to trace it forward to Revelation. Well, welcome to the club. I mean, I know we oftentimes go back there, but we gotta we gotta trace it in order to see the idea and the comparison that is here. That's 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 happened at the original plan and where it's been fallen from. The Bible tells us that God placed the first family, of course, in a garden eastward in. Eden with everything that that man and that woman would perceivably need in order to live a good life they had the food that they would need they had the there's four rivers that come out of Eden amen they have the water that they would need they have the care and the responsibility of caring for the trees they they have the amusement if you will of all living creatures Adam even has the the great privilege of naming them but uh, you imagine just all of the living creatures around you they have the amusement of the living creatures they have each other's company Adam and Eve but ultimately what they had was the interaction with the presence of God in that place but what happened in Genesis is what happens in society and life. And Solomon sums it up best with his commentary on mankind when he said in Ecclesiastes 7: He said, Lo, this only have I found, Ecclesiastes 7:29. This only have I found that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Among everything that was afforded mankind, even Adam and Eve in the garden, he sought out another way. He sought out a different Venue. They were both. The Bible tells us made upright. They were made in the image and the likeness of God, and yet they sought out what other versions of the Bible calls. Uh, they thought they sought out many devices. They they sought out many schemes. Uh, it makes me think of somebody that has a real paying job that's looking over their shoulder for just another get rich scheme. They they had everything they needed, but they always had shifting eyes looking for something else. And here they are. That this. Family is privileged mind you with the interaction of heaven with God speaking to them and interacting with them God's voice was known to them and yet the scripture as we know they sought out alternatives they sought out other devices they, they defected to other designs and, and this of course led to curses in this, their life this, this of course left to separation from the original plan and this of course was like a pebble being dropped in the water that caused ripples throughout their family line and their descendants. Insomuch that we know in Genesis that the Bible says the offspring of Adam and Eve by the name of Cain, that he would arise and he would kill his brother Abel, and in turn, then Cain would be cursed. Everyone say amen. Genesis chapter number four and verse number 16. The Bible says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden and Cain to his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch and he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch now today there are over 4 million unique cities and towns from every country worldwide but the first city mentioned in the Bible is Enoch Cain built this city and named it after his son. And the building of this city was in response to him having left the presence of God. Wandering in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Sister Malin, originally God had placed them, the family of Adam and Eve had placed them in a garden eastward in Eden that God had planted and one generation removed from that now we have Cain that's found in a city on the east of Eden that he has built because other things were sought out is everybody doing all right? Rather than being in Eden, Cain resorted to a place on the east of Eden because he's answering, amen, the lack of the presence of God that he has forsook by building a city and plunging forward with civilization. Someone say amen. The descendants of Cain, we see as it ticks away in the book of Genesis. They were inventors. They, they furthered, if you will, quote unquote, civilization. Amen. One of the descendants of Cain by the name of Jabel, the Bible says that he had cattle. There was Jubal who had music, the harp and the organ. There was Tubal Cain who had the tooling, an artificer of brass and of iron. Amen. One might describe these people with all these other things as a civilization, a civilization people. They've gone, mind you, think for a moment, they've gone from a garden to a city. They have gone from caring for trees and minding dirt, amen, to handling music and shaping tools from precious metals. They're civilized. Cain's line, amen, has introduced a people to be perceived higher in a standard of behavior than those that were before them because that's what it means to be civilized, an enlightening of a people to a higher standard of behavior. Yet this city and that which follows are nothing more but a response of man who has left God's presence. This perceived higher standard of behavior, amen, leaves God out of the mixture. God's not a part of the city. It's without the design of God. All these things, might I tell you, and please just follow me here tonight, the music, uh, the tooling, uh, the shepherding, all of this was nothing more but substitutes and inventions for leaving God's presence. He says he left the presence of God and he built himself a city. Someone say amen. Stay with me, all right? Hopefully. There is a pivotal point in the history of Abram. Because as you look at Abram, it's a pivotal point. Because some of Abram's ancestors were city builders. But his descendants would be altar builders. There's many that preceded him that built cities. But those that followed him would build altars altars. His ancestors built cities without being prompted by God. Without God telling them to rear up a city. Without him instructing them. They would build cities without any divine appearance. They would build cities without any voice of the Lord being spoken about it. But when his descendants built altars, it was because they had heard God. And they had experienced God, and they had witnessed God. You give me a little time here, I know tonight i 'm Nimrod when you read in Scripture of Genesis ten and Genesis eleven you read about Nimrod. the Bible describes him as a city builder. The Bible describes him as a mighty one in the earth. Cities represent his kingdom. He has cities that's associated with him and those that come after him. You can read of it in Genesis 10. The Bible says in the beginning of his kingdom, speaking of Nimrod, was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalna and the land of Shinar. Out of the land went forth Ashur and builded Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Kalah and resin between Nineveh and Calah the same is a great city he's demarked by building cities but it's those that are without or who forego the presence of God that are the city builders and they do various other things why because they want to be attractive in their own right they're trying to fill a void and cope with an absence that they got the presence of God no well In Genesis 11, we read of the city and the Bible says the city and the tower of Babel or Babylon as we know it. What was the building when you read in Genesis 11? Do you remember what the scripture says? They're building this city and tower of Babel, what? With an attempt that it may reach the heaven. Someone say amen. They're doing this city building, this tower building, hoping that it would reach heaven. The heaven, that's Abraham's ancestors. But Abraham's descendants build altars because heaven has already touched earth. Someone say amen. City builders want want to make a name for themselves, but whenever a man built an altar, it wasn't about his name, it was about making a name unto the Lord. Someone just say amen. I'm trying not to run. I know we need to walk here for a moment, but I'm trying to, yeah, he, aha. amen. Let's contrast just for a moment. Babel, and what, thank you, Sister Graceland, and what would become known as Bethel. Everybody all right? Let's contrast for a moment. Babel, that Nimrod had part in the building of the city, and what would later become known as Bethel. That Jacob went to when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. Didn't have that name yet. It was just a place. It was a location. Let's contrast these two. Babel. And you can read this in Genesis 11. You want to go back and forth? We're not going to each verse, okay? I'll save you that. But in Genesis 11, you can also look in Genesis 28. That's the two stories. Babel was a city, the Bible says, and tower, whose top they hope would reach heaven. Jacob's first dealings, With what would become known as Bethel. He describes it just as a certain place. This place. And at that place he had a dream. Of a ladder. Or staircase. That extended and reached to the top of heaven. Babel they're trying to build to get there. Jacob is envisioning this place already there. Jacob. When we look back in the Old Testament, Genesis 11, back at Babylon or Babel, the Bible, or not Bible, but historically it says that in the Babylonian language, the word Babel means or meant gate of God. But whenever we read of Jacob in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, a little further along in Genesis where he's had this encounter, he says that he is at the very gate of heaven. Amen. We read God came down in Genesis 11. He came down to see the city and the Tower of Babel. And when he appears there, and after they've already started this building up of it, and he appears there, and he sees their human initiative, he stops what's going on. But when we consider Jacob, the Bible says in his vision and dream, he's seen angels ascend and descend, amen, at this location. And the Bible says he saw the Lord at the top of the ladder. Take notice. We've always said this, but let me restate it. He saw angels ascend and descend, meaning they were already there because they ascended first before they descended. The divine presence was already there. Someone say amen. Amen. (laughs) hallelujah God didn't appear after it took place he was there before it ever took place when you read in Genesis 11 Babel is using brick for stone but in Jacob's predicament Amen, he uses a stone and he sets it up as a pillar he anoints it he makes it as though a makeshift altar because of what he's experienced at this place and later we'll return there and build an altar because God says, go back to where I appeared to you and build an altar because I want there to be a sign, a denotation that I've been there, I talked to you there and you experienced me there. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. And so every city, every city in many regards of Old Testament times, amen, before Abraham, are people responding to what they were lacking, what they didn't have. No move of God, no presence of God, no voice of God, maybe to what they left. They left God, so I'm gonna build a city. We gotta have some type of renown, something to speak about, some type of civilization, if you will. But the altar builders were people that experienced God, witnessed God, heard God, felt God. And they say, we're building the altar because we want to testify. We've experienced the almighty. And I say this tonight, that an altar in the church and an altar at the home and an altar at the job is nothing more but a testimony that I've experienced God at that church and I've experienced God in my household and I've experienced God on the job. God's presence has been in those places. It's been a meeting place of the divine with the natural. It indicates to whoever sees it that somebody can meet God there because the altar built did someone say, Amen? Am I doing all right? Because it's a sad day when homes and churches don't have altars. I'll go a step further. You said, me McGee, we have an altar. Yes, it is. Let me go a step further. It's a sad day when homes and churches don't use altars because that altar denotes God has moved there. Someone's experienced God there. And we're all this sometimes very afraid and backward, oh, go to the altar. Yeah, go to it. Because it's the indication his presence has been there. He has spoken there. Someone's had interaction with the divine every altar depicts that amen and i want to acknowledge god's presence don't you amen i want to realize his presence as it was in here tonight you know what someone should do before they leave this place build another altar that says i've heard from heaven right there tonight i felt the presence of the divine right there tonight And so like Jacob, sometimes we got to shake ourselves because when he awoke, he shook himself and he discovered that the Lord was in this nondescript place where he was and he admits, and I knew it not. Yet when he realized it, he says, I'm going to set up a stone just as a makeshift altar because he's here. And I didn't recognize that when I first got here. Someone say amen. I don't doubt tonight. But our lack of altars places is not because God has never shown up because I believe he has but perhaps our lack of altars indicates like Cain we've left his presence it's not that we net it's not that Cain never had it it's that he, l- he left what he had or perhaps we are like lot when given the choice and I'm talking about the Lot and Abram the the, the the family origin there that come to Canaan perhaps we're like Lot that whenever he's given the choice of all the land that stood before him Abram said Lot you choose what you want to and I'll take the other part the Bible says Lot looked out through all the land and this is the word of God in Genesis 13 12 the Bible says that Lot chose look at me now he chose to dwell in the cities of the plains whereas when never He said you can have your cities. The Bible told Abram, he says climb up Abraham, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east and to the west. Look at all this land. Where your feet touch it I'm going to give it to you. And you know what the Bible says? Abraham didn't seek a city but rather he built an altar right there because God had spoke to him there. He had witnessed the presence of God and he continued to build altars all along not ever building a city but looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Yes. Someone say amen. See, the danger of building cities instead of altars is that it gives way, listen to me, it gives way to building pseudo-altars, false altars, to deities that never spoke to people, that never touched earth. The Bible recalls that Gideon built not only one altar, Because God appeared to him. But he built another altar. Because God asked him to. The Bible says God wanted Gideon to build another altar. He says Gideon build this altar. But in doing so I want you to tear down your father's altar." Because your father's altar is built to a pagan god. Your father's altar is built to Baal. And so I want you to build another altar. And so the second altar that Gideon built was because God instructed him. And the Bible says he had to tear down his father's altar, which was given into Baal. Now look what the scripture says. Judges 6 and verse number 30. Then, this is after everything take place, he built the altar, tore down the other one. Then the men of the... Sipti said unto Joash, that's Gideon's father, bring out thy son that he may die because he hath cast down the altar of Baal and because he hath cut down the grove that was Baia. Whenever they arose in the morning, the people were upset because the altar that they had was destroyed. They wanted to even kill Gideon. But notice again, these men, how they are described, they're the men of the city they're not recognized by their altar but by their city these are men not recognized by their altar but by their city city builders listen to me city builders can build altars too but they build altars to no avail with no experience without an ounce of authority and power they are altars that have no testimony someone say amen Did not the prophets of Baal, did not the prophets of Baal and that of the grove that met Elijah on Mount Carmel, did they not have an altar that was built up there? And did not they put their sacrifice upon that altar? And they cried and they screamed and they cut themselves all day from the morning to the evening and the Bible says they heard no voice. They didn't have any interaction with their per se God. And perhaps that's why Elijah mockingly speaks to them. Perhaps your God is asleep. Perhaps he's gone on a journey. Perhaps, you know what Elijah is saying? He's saying you all got a meaningless altar. You have a lying altar. Because an altar should represent a presence of the God to whom it is. And he says your God's not answering. Your God's not speaking. Your God's not coming down. He says step aside and let me offer my sacrifice. Because I've felt God before. I've witnessed his presence before. And this altar is a testimony to the that someone say amen so Noah and the patriarchs were altar builders not city builders because they recognized God in their lives and even in bleak and dismal times such as famine that raged they built altars because God would appear to them and reassure them I'm here and these were a people that were predominantly nomads. Let me state it like this. They didn't need civilization. They didn't need civilization to have a realization of God's presence. Listen, I'll admit to you, there's not much civilized about an altar. Often in the Old Testament, it consisted of dirt. Or unhewn stones. Rarely a precious metal of wood and with some gold over it. Rarely. I'll admit to you it's not very civilized. Amen. In scripture. I'll tell you tonight that altars of the Old Testament were usually splattered with blood. And they had the stains of soot from the smoke that was upon their surfaces. they're not you wouldn't call that a civilized place or a civilized piece of of, 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 of furniture the altars typically had some convulsing animal that was tied to one of its horns that's bloodletting going on from a sacrifice or some animal that's strewn over the top of the altar, that's that's not very We that, that's not civilized, you wouldn't take the high and the mighty and the, the posh and those with all clout to that type of place that's not very civilized, there is isn't anything civilized about that but those sacrifices and that altar recognize that God's presence have been there and they're identifying a spot that God has spoken so what I say tonight is this Cain you can have your city and your work and your music and your medals but I'd rather have an altar That testifies God's been here. You can cater to your refined ways, but give me some groanings, which can't even be uttered. You can have all the polish if you want, but give me a a, a contortion of groaning and travailing in pain as a sacrifice that's upon an altar because it says God's been right here and he is here. And it pictures a spot where heaven has reached down and touched earth. Maybe I've preached to you all past your point of being tired because Brother McGee we're usually out at 7.30. Listen, and I'm not saying this for us, but we need, to, we need to be aware of the current of the times. Jubal, harp, and organ music. Listen to me. Some have set music center stage in the church. And it has its place. David instituted it in his tabernacle to complement the word in the atmosphere and propagate the word in worship. But when we have music without an altar, when we have music without an altar, we're stationing ourselves outside east of Eden. When we have music without an altar, we're doing nothing more but entertaining a mixture without the distinction of God. Well, (sighs) because right now, people will just sing all service, and that's all there will be for several services in a row. Brother Mason, you know my heart. I'm not I'm not saying anything about us per se around here. But if all we're singing is for euphoria, hype, huh? To somehow affect the emotions of people, and we don't visit an altar, it's the altar that indicates his presence. His power, His voice. Someone say amen. amen. We need an altar. We don't need just church services filled with music and music and I'm all about the music and I love the atmosphere that it prepares and I love what it pertains to but if we have it without an altar we gotta change our game. We gotta change our approach. That's nothing more but a city without an altar. That's nothing more than a profession of some type of attraction without the attraction of the altar. Someone say amen. I doing alright notice notice what the answer was of the new Pharaoh that arose over Egypt that knew not Joseph notice what the answer was to the growth of the Israelites among the Egyptians let's get these people to build cities of Pithon, Pithom and Ramses so they're growing among us here's our answer Let's get them to building cities so that they can neglect altars. On, on, why are you saying that, Brother McGee? Because whenever Moses come, his plea was this. Give us three days to go into the wilderness for a feast where we can sacrifice. That's what takes place at altars. He says, instead, why don't we keep the people involved in building cities? Let's substitute cities for altars and let them build you know what's so just just glaring to me the, the, the similarities with that being in, 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 in Babylon or Babel because what is Israelites using in Egypt they're using brick to build cities and they used brick and slime to build Babylon God came down on Babel after they started their intervention their human intervention and he put a stop to it and the Bible says that God came down in Egypt after they had already started their shenanigans against two and he rescued Israel from there because Israel or rather Pharaoh didn't want them retreating to the mount of God to sacrifice I don't want them to have an altar but Pharaoh's voice in Egypt's cry was this build cities and not altars listen that's always been the cry of Egypt and Babylon Nimrod and I'm not calling anybody names. I'm calling somebody by name. <laughs> Nimrod in Genesis, whose name means we will rebel, his idea was let's build cities instead. Why? Because I don't want to recognize, I don't want to recognize God. I don't want to fall under the authority of God Because my generation and those of my lineage, we have left the authority and the presence of God. Listen, folks, the spirit of Babylon has not left the world today. And I'm sure that will be spoken of in February when we have our end time prophecy. The spirit of Babylon has not left the world today. And it's always been in consistent opposition to the Lord. Because the spirit of Babylon and the Lord are two diametric different things. One centers around cities and another centers around an altar. The subscribers of one worship the Babylonians worshiped the heavens but those that are servants of God worship the God of the heavens and all the men of faith that we read about they built their altars of sacrifice and they worshiped the Lord for what purpose? So that they would call upon the name of the Lord. Noah did it. Abraham did it. I Isaac did it, Jacob did it. Why? Because all altars point to the cross of Calvary. Altars were the place of sacrifice. The cross was an altar. Stand with me. Because an altar has two primary meanings throughout Scripture. One meaning is a lifted up high and ascending place. Did not John testify? Christ said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw. The cross was an altar in that respect. The second definition of an altar that carries Hebrew thought is this, is that an altar was a slaughtering place. Jesus was the lamb slain. There at Calvary, indicating the cross, was an altar, musicians may come. say, Brother McGee, what is the significance? I believe the significance is this. If from the very beginning, altars have been the trademarks of His presence, and if from the beginning they've heralded the notice of Him having been somewhere, And if from the beginning they've signaled a place where his voice has spoken, then the cross, Brother Fred, could only convey one thing. God had visited the world. And the world had heard his voice. And he had appeared to them in the likeness of Christ Jesus. And with that in mind tonight, I declare that there is no substitute for altars sometimes as a church we want to get too civilized we want to get too civilized we want to have all three buttons buttoned on our three button suit we want to have our tie properly placed and don't forget don't forget the pocket square And we want to give our golf clap religion. Because we're civilized Christians. You got your cities. You got your music. You got your gold and your silver. You got your work. Oh yeah. You have your work. That identifies you as a grand person in the society of wherever you're at. You're civilized. But I'd rather have a thousand altars. Bloody altars, soot stained altars that testify God's met me here. I've heard the voice of God here. I'd rather, I'd rather than you have your tie all straight, Johnson, that you would be moaning over an altar that indicates God can be found there. I'd rather than your prissy hand clap that your hands are all over the place. Why? Because this is where God's visited. This is where God has talked. And this is where God, other people can meet God. Now, I'm opening the altar tonight. Just a couple steps here in the literal sense. But you know what I realized by this right here tonight, Brother Fred? This is an emblem to me that somebody's repented here. Somebody has spoken other tongues here. This, this is here as a testimony. This is here as a testimony. This is not a place that lacks presence or have never been touched by presence. This is a place that's experienced it. And I'm telling you tonight, as we journey this week, every night, we're gathering together, not as city builders, but altar builders, that's erecting a structure for the community of Mount Carmel that says God's presence has been felt there and God's voice has been heard. Yeah. Honey, 2007 was it the year that someone ate pizza and woke up and seen an ad in the paper and said, you know what, why don't we just move to Mount Carmel? No! Somebody heard the voice of God and says, go build an altar in Mount Carmel. I'm all about our community endeavors and we need those but it's not for product of replacement there's no substitute for altars I know we can't take this in the literal sense but over 4 million cities and towns across America it says, although the tempo of mankind has been let's civilize, let's civilize, let's civilize, let's make a name. And what God ultimately wants to happen in the earth is for His name to be known. How's it happen? Somebody building an altar. We're going to close this service. I'm sorry if I, well, I'm not going to say that. There's no reason to apologize for the word. We have experienced the presence of God. I don't know if you realize it. Right. We've experienced the presence of God in this place tonight. And it would be remiss for us to leave with not putting a few blocks and dirt together of a representation of an altar. Abraham said, he appeared unto me. I built an altar. Isaac says, he appeared unto me. I built an Jacob says, I had I an had interaction with him there. I built an altar. Tonight, will you take some time before we go home and just construct an altar? That's a testimony to what's happened around here tonight. I'm asking somebody that you won't live your life with altruous, altarless homes. you hear me? You won't live your life with altarless homes. You won't go to a job that is altarless. Yes. Yes. We need God to appear at the household. We need the voice of God on our work site. Oh, Brother McGee. Yes, Brother McGee. You've heard me a thousand years ago, years ago, Brother Mason, and this is a long time ago for you and I, when we worked at MG's. This man used to do that. I did too. We were working on that line and I was working on the Arby's line with Arby's roast beef late at night. It was just like paste that went into a bag. I threw it and we put it in the bags. It came out of a nozzle. Man, me and this uh, African-American guy, we had it down to science. We could fill a bag in 13 seconds. Man, it was, it was quick work. I probably couldn't do it now. My, my fingers and stuff probably would lock up. I remember there was a lady on that line that night. She was talking about some things concerning her children and God. I'm, I'm the preacher on the line I'm feeding everybody what's coming down the line actually she said some things and the Holy Ghost came into that night in empty, dark musty place stunk and as I began to speak to her about God tears trickled down her face Whew. you know what happened the Lord appeared And I decided that night I got to build an altar right here. Oh, Brother McGee, oh no. We need altars in our workplaces, testimonies that he's come down. Honey, as I told you this morning, whenever I was in Walmart doing grocery shop, and I'm standing over by the eggs, and I felt the presence of God, and tears started to fall down my face, because I was concerned in all this, this prophecy revival thing, and I'm telling you, it happened. I was standing there in the corner, and I began to look out, and whenever I looked to my left and my right, and I began to see people, I seen souls, concerning the end of time. Man, I felt His presence. I had to build an altar and let people know. I want every individual in the world to know that they're just in an arm's reach of where God has spoke. That they're just in an arm's reach where God has appeared. They're... I don't want to be civilized. I don't want to build cities that testify to no God, no presence, no power, no authority no, I need an altar tonight, these altars are open, I wish someone would put some dirt together, some unhewn stone something tonight, make some type of altar this evening make some type of altar this evening, God, God you might be frequenting an altar you've been at before and you're going back to it tonight, you're coming up here again tonight because you know what you're saying in the back of your mind, God's met me there before I've heard God's voice i've heard god's voice at that altar it's a testament assigned to me that it's been there before perhaps still is i'm going to go there because i know i know that's a place where someone has experienced god before maybe even you have experienced god sir or ma'am there is no substitute to that there is no substitute to, to that oh let's call upon the name of the lord right now Oh somebody cry out to God right now it's all right to abandon your normal speaking voice. It's all right to abandon the concept. Well, people's looking at me around me. Don't worry about none of that garbage right now. We're not worried about civilization, if you will, right now. We are just wanting to make our, we want to come in alignment and with attachment to the presence and the Spirit of God. And the altar says it's been here before. I want to get back in contact with that. I want to get back in reach with that. Come on somebody Lift your voice I know whatever hour it is Who cares Some of you all know you got to work Some of you don't have to work But there's nothing more important Than the altar business we're attending to Right now Right now Thank you for listening If you would like more information About our services and activities You can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter